Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we have come in the middle of this week, or this work week. Lord, to your presence, to your house, not to hear from man, but to hear from you. And therefore I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, your word for this time. And Lord, I pray that that you would, Lord, quicken each one of us. Wherever we are in our walk with you, at whatever stage, O Lord, Father, I pray, Lord, you would make it relevant to where we are, the places that we work, the families that we have to raise, the relationships that we have to nurture, the vocations that we have to perform in all our walks of life. Your word is relevant to Allah. And therefore this evening, O oh Father, we exalt your word. Father, let us never be a church which will trifle with your word, which will trifle with truth, that will lose the severity and the seriousness of walking with you, that we've gone careless, Father, without seriousness. Keep us, O oh Lord, from that attitude. Let your word be exalted in our hearts this evening. Father, quicken us this evening, O oh Lord. Pray, Father, for everyone who is here. Father, I rebuke every spirit of tiredness, every spirit of distraction in the name of Jesus. Every thought that tries to, Father, oppose your truth in our lives. We come against that in the name of Jesus. We bring it down and we ask you to grant us grace that we will not only be hearers of your word, but be doers and be obedient from our heart, not with compulsion, but from our heart, O oh Lord. Grant us grace. Grant us anointing to hear. Grant us anointing to speak. Let there be unction from above. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at grace and truth in our Sunday services. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we understood from last message particularly about sin, about truth falling down on the streets. And that has to be exalted in our lives. Let us never be a church that will trifle with truth. Let us never be a set of people who will just take it for granted. The purpose of God coming into this world is that He will not only save us from our sin, but He will empower us that sin will not reign. Let sin not reign in our lives is what I wanted to talk about. Continue on that. In Genesis chapter 4 verses 6 to 7, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? This is God asking Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And we remember that in the KJV translation, sin has a personality. Remember that. 
just to keep that in perspective. Last time when we were here on last Wednesday, we looked at Romans chapter 6 as to how we should gain victory over sin in our lives. That is God's will right from the beginning when after ma- after man fell, after the fall, the will of God for our lives that we will master sin. Not master sin, meaning master over sin. We will defeat sin in our lives. That is the purpose. That is the purpose of God Sending his son into this world is just not to forgive us our sin, justify us and cleanse us from our past, but give us the power and the desire to please him. To please him, okay. And therefore he goes at length through different people in the word of God. He uses people from fishermen, from ordinary uh, tax collector, from brilliant rabbis like Paul. He uses all kinds of different kinds of people to speak to us. The truth of the new covenant, the truth of the new covenant is that we should master sin and overcome it and overcome him because sin also has a personality. That's what we looked at in um, our last study. In Romans chapter 6, that's what we studied last time. We studied, this is uh, uh, Romans chapter 6 verses 12 to 14. Let no sin, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you may Obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from life to death and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For the sin will have no dominion over us since we are not under law but under grace. This is a promise that God has given us uh, in the new covenant. Therefore, we looked at eight aspects last time. Rain. That we had a throne that is being contested in our hearts. The contender is sin, the challenger to the throne. And there's a temple and a castle which is being contested for and contended for. That is the mortal body. And there are servants within the castle which are essentially our passions or desires which are not evil in themselves, which can become evil if we allow sin to reign in our lives. And we call them servants. Servants who can deceive us or servants who can obey us, passions or desires. And we also looked at obey obedience, which is essentially incremental surrender, slow, one step at a time. God tells us that he will not drive out all sin from our lives in one day, but it is incremental, slow, one step at a time. God also gives us instruments or weapons, that are instruments, you know, essentially weapons are our mind, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. We looked at that last time. And there is the true king, and there is a new law. It's a law. It's not the old law, but grace. A new constitution, if you will. Not law, but grace. Law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And one picture that we get from this passage in Romans is that it is a war. Okay? It's warfare. And warfare is not with flesh and blood. It's with with principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. Yes, that's what Ephesians chapter 6 will say. But also, there are, there is one other person in our, in our, in our own body. We call him the flesh. Okay? And he says, 
A mind that is set on the flesh is hostile. It is an enmity, enmity with God. A carnal mind is an enmity with God, cannot subject itself to the law of God, neither can it be. It has no ability, no ability to sub- submit itself to the law of God. It's impossible for the flesh to submit. And therefore it continuously wages war against that person which has been born again. That is, that is our new spirit man which is born of truth. Okay, and therefore this picture, by the way, is, is used. This metaphor of warfare is used uh, with our flesh in, in the Bible and several places. A couple of places which I wanted to wanted to look at. First Peter chapter two, verse eleven. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. You see the picture of warfare emerging emerging there. Okay. And again in Matthew chapter 11 verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. This is essentially spiritual violence. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We are not violent with people, but we are violent with ourselves, especially with our flesh. Because it says in the book of Romans chapter 8, if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you buy the spirit put to death the deeds of the body you will live okay it's very interesting very important and therefore paul in continuing uh, with um, the book of romans and i and i really uh, encourage you brothers and sisters to, to read through the book of romans we'll possibly study it in, in detail in the future but this paul gives us a strategy and he doesn't leave us uh, he t- talks about this he says we are no longer under law we are under grace and therefore he gives us a promise He says that sin will not have dominion over us. In Telugu it says, Papam manamida prabhutvam chayadu. Prabhutvam, it's a government. It's a government of sin. Because we are no longer under law, but under grace. From the days of John the Baptist until now. How did God do that? What did he do? He said, what? The law could not do, God did. We'll look at that in detail today. Romans chapter 6, we'll continue on that passage as to the strategy as to what Paul gives for us to overcome sin in our lives. And particularly today, I'm not going to look at practical issues, but I'm going to talk about practical attitudes that we might be having. First of all, we might be inculcating in our own lives by allowing God to create those attributes and attitudes in our hearts so that we can battle sin. See, it's essentially the attitude which counts. Okay, I mean, one of my favorite tennis players is, you know, Rafa Nadal, right? The way he wins the match is not because of his talent, is because of his attitude. He's got incredible mental strength. That is how he literally dethroned Federer. <laughs> if you remember the Australian Open in 2011, Federer was in tears. I've never seen a champion shedding tears. Have you seen that interview? He was crying like a baby. I love that. That is because that, that, that is because he had an attitude. You know, he was like, first my body, let me die, and then you get the ball. That's how he used to play his his game. Uh, that and, and you know, Paul tells Timothy, right? He says you need to have three attitudes. If you want to really, really succeed in your Christian walk, you need to have an attitude of a soldier, you need to have an attitude of, of an athlete, and you should have an attitude of a farmer. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. An athlete is a guy who is absolutely disciplined. He doesn't have spiritual paunches. 
Okay. Therefore, it is very important. The attitude is important. The attitude which counts. Attitude is half the battle won. I mean, I, I tell, I tell, I tell some some of our students. You know what? One of the attitudes I used to have: I'm getting an A grade first. I speak that. Finished. Over. After that, we will do what we what we have to do. I may get a C. I may get a D minus, C minus. What should I do in order to pass? Forget it. It's the attitude which matters, and that's what Paul is going to talk about. He's going to highlight particularly three attitudes which I'm going to amplify for you today so that we can apply that and ask God to inculcate those attitudes. We can't do it in our own strength so that we can defeat sin. But the point here is we need to defeat sin because that is the reason why that's the only thing which obstructs us from having fellowship with God is sin. And God says sin will not have dominion. Wow, that's a promise. Okay, so it is for those people who want to have an attitude towards sin. So Romans chapter 6, continuing on the passage, what does Paul say from verses 15 to 18? What then? Shall we continue because we are not under law, continue to sin? Shall we sin, continue to sin, because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey... You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death. And what is this death? This is not natural death. This is spiritual, eternal death separated from God. Even after having been born again, we still have the propensity in us to short circuit the work of God and lead us into eternal damnation. It's quite possible. This is sin. So he says, you know, you used to make, you have to make a choice. I'm not going to force it on you. Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked. So first thing, even as I go through this passage, we'll see for the first attitude. What is our first attitude? This is important is our attitude towards sin. And for a believer, sin is completely different from the unbeliever. It's different. And it says in book of of Romans chapter 14, the last verse, he says, anything which is not from faith, even if it is as trivial as eating, is sin. Okay. And therefore our attitude towards sin is very, very important. And this is what is highlighted, by the way, in 1 John chapter 3. If you look at 1 John chapter 2 verse 1, it says, These things I write to you so that you will not sin. That is the whole purpose of studying the word of God is to be empowered in our minds with the truth of the word of God so that we have this force, a true force inside of us which will, which will oppose sin in our lives. You see, that is very important for us to understand. See, there are defensive stat- tactics. You know, the defensive, defensive, defensive stack tactics is, Ephesians calls it, the shield of faith. Okay. The shield of faith to, to, to neutralize the fiery darts of the, of the, of the evil one, of the devil. But then there is also an offensive strategy. He says, wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's no defense. If why did how do you think Jesus overcame? He said, Oh no, 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 Satan is coming, let me defend. No, no, no. He said, the sword of the spirit, it is written. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, so Satan says, oh, is it written? Jump! Because it is written. And you know what Jesus says? It is written, but is it, it is also written. It's offensive. A lot of people, say for example, if you are struggling with, let's say, internet pornography, one of, one of the defensive strategies is, you know, what do you call, uh, partners, accountability partners, covenant eyes, etc., etc., having this filter, that filter, these are all defense. But there is an offense. Also. Okay. But you, therefore your attitude towards sin counts, and this is what 1 John chapter 3 verse 9 to 10 will say. Look at what he says. This is interesting. Your attitude towards sin determines the version of the Bible you read. What did I say? <laughs> okay, let me, let me, let, let me, let me, let me, re- let me say that again. My attitude towards sin determines the version of the Bible I read. Oh, everybody say, what is this? You know, so, the first time when I started reading the Bible really intensely, there was one guy who scared me. You know, he's, he was one of the Bible teachers in a conference and I was listening to his tape and he, he looked at all the people in the conference and he said, how many of you guys are NIV positive? <laughs> and that was enough for me. I said, no, 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 because that was a KJV guy. But I'm not saying that you should only read KJV, you have to read all translations and whichever translation scares you the most, take that in that particular context. Okay, so I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you a very interesting uh, f- uh, a verse. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 3 verses 9 to 10. And this is in NIV and ESV and RSV and NSB, etc, etc. Look at what he says. Now, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed, God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So this is ESV, okay? Look at the KJV. What does he say? Look at this word. I'm highlighting. Cannot keep on sinning. KJV. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. Because his seed remains in him. He, now tell me which one scares you, cannot sin scares you. And suddenly, this is scaring me, let me go to NIV. Keep on sinning, okay, okay, I'm still in my process of, you see your attitude toward sin is so important. See, because we like it and the flesh loves it. The flesh will say, why do you want to give up this habit? Poor fellow has been staying there for such a long time. Come on. You want to leave him so immediately, so, so quickly, you want to cut it off from your life. He's been your friend for such a long time, slowly. That did not pastor say little by little. You see, we don't want to take radical steps. Because we like to pamper our flesh. And therefore it says, the kingdom of God right from the days of John the Baptist is proceeding by violence and the violent take it by force. You see, your attitude toward sin determines the translation that you read. 
<laughs> Why is this important? Because if, if you obey sin, it leads you to what? Death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. See? That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, Baba, you know what? Right from childhood, not from childhood, right from infancy. You knew the holy scriptures. Infancy, what Even when she was born in his mother's womb, his probably his mother was reading the Torah so that this guy was listening. I'm telling you, don't. I'm not jo- joking. Abigail is a product of that. When she was in mother's womb, she was always listening to messages. You've seen it right from infancy. Why? You knew the holy scriptures because the scriptures can make you wise unto salvation. Wise unto what? Salvation. And I was talking to the Jesus kids the other day and I was telling him, what is true wisdom? In the context of First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, what is true wisdom? If the scriptures make you wise unto salvation, true wisdom, it's the one which saves you from death. Saves you from the wrath of God. Saves you. True wisdom is that wisdom which saves you from the wrath of God. And I remember the first time when I got saved, boy, it was incredible. I mean, I remember this, this preacher, no, no, not my life, another preacher was saying, there was a 12 year guy, 12 year old guy who got saved in his meeting. You know how he got saved after the, after the meeting was over? He was trembling and he was coming to the altar and he was weeping and crying. And that, the preacher was a little stunned. I, he was thinking, you know, maybe this guy must be a, must have been a drug addict or something, 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 all kinds of things. He was, he was looking at the kid and he asked him this question. Why are you trembling? Why is that your countenance is so scared? And he said, you know what he said? I heard your message. I'm under the wrath of God. Because you know what? I rebelled against, I rebelled against my parents. Under the wrath of God. And that, that's how we got converted. And therefore Paul tells your attitude towards sin matters. Because sin is the one which will keep you from God. And this is, Romans is written to believers or unbelievers? Believers, not unbelievers. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 to 11. <clears throat> this is a good 9-11 to remember, okay? What? Or do you not know? That the unrighteousness, unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. You see that? Sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy. Really? Greedy people? I have a Vitamin called M&M. It's not a chocolate. M&M. Put your money where your mouth is. I also have called a, a triple M. Money, mouth, motive. Greedy people. Greedy. Drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. You see, swindlers. Swindling money. You take money and don't return back. Books. Return not, not return back. Conveniently forgotten. <laughs> Don't end up at the pearly gates with books in your hand. And such were some of you, you're saying. 
But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You were some of, you were like that in your past, but now let your attitude completely change towards sin. Don't placate it. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. What? What? Again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that also he will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You may die, Gadu. You will die. <clears throat> the point here is, even Jesus was not exempt from this law. Do you know that? That is the point. What do you mean? Was Jesus in danger of eternal death? Look at what it says. I mean, I let, let man be a liar and God be true, right? This is even Jesus is not exempt from this. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 7 to 10. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who is able to save him from what? From death. Do you think it is the death on the cross? No, no, no. If that were the case, his prayer was not heard. You know something? If Jesus would have sinned even one small thought in his mind, he would not he would not have been the perfect sacrifice. Who's going to redeem the redeemer? You see? Therefore you'll appreciate this. And he was hurt because of his reverence. Other, other places will say godly submission. Other places will say because he was feared God. Although he was a son, he learned obedience. He learned? Really? The son of God, when he came, he had to learn obedience? Through the things that he suffered and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. You know why? Because he was fighting sin all the time in his mind. He was not exempt. And being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We looked at that last Sunday. <clears throat> Even Jesus was not exempt. And because he lived like this, the wages of sin is what? Death. Did Jesus sin? No. Should he die? Logically, no. Exactly. That's exactly what Peter is going to say in his sermon, the first sermon of Peter in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 22 to 24. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him from, raised him losing the pangs of death. Why? Because it was not possible that he should be held by death. Because he never sinned. Because he never sinned. And therefore he was resurrected. First attitude, therefore, which will save you from, I mean, rather empower you to overcome sin is your attitude towards sin itself. You should be sufficiently scared. 
What should you be? Sufficiently scared. Don't quote, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Be scared of God. Consider the goodness and the severity of God because one day we have to stand before the judgment, judgment seat of Christ. And even Apostle John in the island of Patmos, when he saw Jesus as a judge, he fell on his face like a dead man. We all have to give an account. We are being prepared for that day. And in this church, we do that consistently. We try to live that consistently. We just don't want to preach it without living it. We need to preach it and live it. And live it and preach it and preach it and live it. Preach, preach, preach till you live and live, live, live till you preach. That is exactly the reason why God says, Paul says, I will not dare to speak anything to you except what God has done to me in my life. I will not speak. Because he has done that for me. He has done that for me. First attitude, therefore, is your attitude towards sin which matters. How do you look at sin? Sin deceives. He'll never say, do this and you will die. No. Do this, it is good for you. You'll enjoy it. Because there is pleasure in sin for a season. There is. Otherwise, it is not. Nobody will say sin is bad. There is pleasure. There is pleasure in disobeying God. You get a kick out of it. There's a pleasure in stealing, even if you don't need it. Do you know how that how those jambandu was? Bandi was there when you were a school going kid. You had pleasure. You had pleasure. Some people are laughing. You are reliving. We'll come to the attitude, that attitude also later. <laughs> later. But first is attitude towards sin. It matters a lot. Matters a lot. God is just and God is righteous. At the same time, He's loving and He's merciful. These two are not mutually exclusive. They go together. Okay. Next, same passage. First, our attitude towards sin. The next, but God be thanked. Everybody say. Okay, stop there. They say, God, God be thanked. I'll tell you why this is important. That though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Second attitude, our attitude toward God and His truth. God be thanked. I'll tell you this, this is one of the, the aspects of Apostle Paul whenever he writes an epistle. First thing he says, Romans chapter 1 verse 8. First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because of your faith, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I'm not thanking God for your faith. I'm not thanking you for your faith. Rather, I'm thanking God for your faith. If it were not for God, you would not have faith. Notice that. Keep that in mind. Another thing, another thing, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 to 16. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Thanks to whom? To God. Philippians 1 verses 3 to 6. I 
thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 to 6. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. We give thanks to God. Always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Boy, can you imagine this, guy, this guy's heart? You thought Apostle Paul only preached and wrote. And prayed. That's what he did. Preached, wrote, prayed. Walked, got persecuted, preached, wrote, prayed. Walked, persecuted, preached, wrote, prayed. Walked, persecuted. That's his life. Always thanking God. First Corinthians, even to the Corinthian church, the most carnal of all the churches, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. Except for one church, He doesn't thank God. Which church was that? Which church did I miss out? By the process of elimination? Excuse me? Galatians, exactly. That's no-brainer, right? Okay, Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, look at what he says. I am astonished. He doesn't thank God. Grace to you, peace multiplied, etc. I am astonished. Why? That you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Therefore, I will not thank God for you. Why am I saying this? Why are we supposed to thank God? Why is this important? Why is this important? You know, some of the times when we, when I listen to testimonies over a period of time, I was just like you. Okay, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not condemning anybody. The testimonies go like this. When I was a kid, no, I used to have this thing in my heart. Who is the true God? And one day I found Jesus. When I was a kid, no, when I was growing up, I used to search for the truth. I used to search for truth in Islam. I searched for truth in, Maha, in, 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 in Buddhism. I searched for the truth in, 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 in Hinduism. And finally, I came to the Lord and I found Him. It was, it's as if you give this testimony, as if you were seeking the Lord and you found Him. Let me tell you something. If it were not for God, you would not even seek Him. If it were not for the sovereign working of God in your lives, you would never have sought Him. That is new covenant. Look at this. Let man be a liar and let God be true. This is new covenant promise. Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse 24 to 27. This is God. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. First I will. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Second I will. You shall be clean from all your uncleanness. From all your idols, I will cleanse you. You will not be able to cleanse yourself. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will remove the heart of stone. I will put my spirit... And cause you to walk in my ways. If it were not for God, we would not have sovereign. Sovereign. You know, this is my testimony. Taking me from nations. 
you wouldn't believe how it works in our lives. The way I came to GTC is just a sovereign working of God and after that I've understood sovereignty on a different level altogether. The guy who brought me to church is no longer, no longer there. Somebody, some, of, some of you have heard my testimony. One of my friends who got me to church. I came back from Canada. I said, Vijay, 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 you have to come to, come to my pastor and you have to listen to me. I said, okay, I'll come. Vijay, Vijay, come over for lunch. Went for lunch. Because I went for lunch, okay? We had a nice lunch in, in a restaurant. The guy was working in an IT company. I had lunch at his expense. And then, Vijay, Vijay, you have to come to my pastor. You have to come and listen. I said, okay, I'll come. Vijay, morning service, 9 o'clock, I'll come. I came in November, he was persuading me till March, I did not come. Was I seeking him? No way. I was seeking my own will. I was seeking my own will. And most, and, and so were all of you. If it were not for God, my dear brothers and sisters, and for the circumstances and situations God has created so that you should find him, it would not have been possible for any one of us to find God. Therefore, God be thanked. It's very difficult for us to digest that, but it is the fact. Do we really want God? By default, we are God haters. We'll talk about that. By default, we are, we don't want them in our lives. We'll talk about that. Look at John. He says in John's gospel chapter 1 verse 12 to 13. He says, but to all who received him. See? He gave the right to become the children of God. Because he came to his own. His own did not receive him. He came to his own. He made the world. The world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave him the power. These are all people who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's absolutely God. If it were not for God seeking us, that is the reason why Jesus tells in uh, Gospel according to John chapter 6, he says, verse 40, if I'm right, he says, no one can come to me except my father draw him to me. Nobody can come. Nobody can come. All your righteousness and your works and do you think Nicodemus, sorry, what's a Cornelius because of his righteousness he was heard? No. No, no, no. It's God's sovereignty. Why is therefore thanking God is important? Why is thanking God important? Because we by default are what? What are we? God haters. Think about it, no? We'll tell you. I don't want God in my life. I don't want God in my kitchen first. Because he will tell me, this is not good for you. Food for the belly, belly for the food, God will destroy both it and them. He will tell me what to eat. I don't want God. I don't want God in my conversations. Because he will say, don't slander. For every word that you speak, you need to give an account. I don't want him there. I don't want God when I'm watching a movie. No, I don't want him, please. I, I tell this joke to the people who go for a movie, right? Eating, eating and drinking and rising out to play. Pepsi? Popcorn? 
movie. And says right, says right, says right, says right, anything. Thanksgiving, therefore it will be sanctified. You'll say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I sanctify this movie. I sanctify this movie and I receive it in the name of Jesus and you open your eyes and when Ganesh will come like that. We don't want him there. We don't want him there. We do not want God in our watching of a movie. We do not want God when we are typing the computer. We do not want God. We are by default God haters. Can't you give me a little privacy, please, God? Please. There's so many people to take care of. Right now, please, some privacy for me. I default God haters. That's the reason why children always, always ask this question. Why does God always look at me? Look at me, look at me, look at me. The eyes are beholding. Eyes of God are beholding everything. Beholding the evil and the good. Why, Lord? You don't want them. And if you really love God, you know what you'll do? You'll open, your, open up your life and say, you know what, Lord? See what I'm watching, Lord. If you op- if you're in your office, you will ensure that your computer is visible to your manager so that he can know what you're watching. This is what I'm doing now. I go to church office, I open the door of the church office, I turn my table like this so that everybody who's passing by watches what I'm doing. When I'm in my home, I open the door and I ensure that my computer, my wife can see so that when she comes in, she's seeing that I'm reading the word of God. I want that. Because we are by default God haters. How many of us love God? Oh Lord, we love you, but everything God. Look at what it says. In John that's that's exactly the reason why in John chapter 1 verse 9 and 9 11, another 9 11 by the way, you'll have several 9 11s here today. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. Think about it now. We are all by default God haters and yet God pursues us. And therefore, thanks to God. This is what he says in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved what? Darkness. More than light. You know what? This is so true. Even when we seek counsel, I'm talking from my personal experience. Nothing that God has not done in my life. When I go seek for counsel, I want to portray as if I'm the victim. So the counsel is for for me and not against me. You see? You know what happens when you go and give wrong counsel to the wrong uh, symptoms to your doctor? What will he say? Wrong symptoms, wrong medication, wrong diagnosis. Right? I see that. I mean, people want to have second opinion. Oh, that's fine. I don't mind second opinion. For example, let's say you go to care hospital and that guy says, Baba, your ECG is dangerous. You need a transplant or maybe you'll say bypass. 
and somebody told you somebody suddenly somebody will come and in your mind you know that that somebody will say are care people are crooks they want they're after your money seek for a second opinion fine let's go for another opinion instead of going to care hospital let's go to yashoda fine that is fine because you are going from one doctor to another doctor think about it though you went to care hospital that fellow diagnosed care fellows are crooks who told you your brother in law who is a very brilliant civil engineer told you who told you brother in law bill bill told you these are crooks why because he's a brilliant civil engineer did you see the construction that he has done a brilliant architect has told you that care people are crooks are i've seen that no they come to the pastor pastor gives them counsel second opinion who's that second opinion you will call up your childhood friend who is not a believer ayyo i'm going through this problem cheppina kada christianity dal bodadi finished gone faith gone you know i love what watchman he said whenever people are coming and sp- speaking to you hear clearly what they are saying and discern clearly what they are not saying <laughs> what do you need discernment you should clearly hear what they are saying and discern clearly what they are not saying you know what after that really after that god dealt me i will go really very little for counsel because i'm scared if i'm not going to tell the complete truth and nothing but the truth complete even if it's going to hurt me you see we are all god haters and truth haters by default we want people to placate us in our sin don't we it's true it's it's true but i'm telling you i hope once we preach this and live this and when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we go through that x-ray of god and come clean on the other side you will thank pastor james and hopefully if i continue till that time me also why was these people did not mess around and trifle with truth because he said that's what paul tells timothy be very careful how you behave in the household of god because the house of god the church of the living god is the pillar and ground of truth is the pillar and ground of truth and we will we looked at that passage in isaiah chapter 59 right verse 14 truth has fallen in the streets right remember truth has fallen let's look at it in the complete perspective in by the way uh, in our isaiah bible study we are sovereignly by god's appointed time we ended up and started studying isaiah 59 look at what it says isaiah 59 so we will finish isaiah 59 and next time it's isaiah 60 okay for those people who are attending tuesday bible study okay 60 as <laughs> a 15 let's look at what it says behold the lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or is ear dull that it cannot hear you know this but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your god and your sins have hidden his face from you that he does not hear it's not that he cannot hear 
that he does not hear. Why? Psalm 66 verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. He's not going to circumvent scripture, right? He's not going to break the law, if you will. And then he goes on to say, for your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness, no one enters suit justly. Have you ever seen a lawsuit with justice? No one enters. I mean, I remember in Canada, uh, Starbucks, they, when they go to a coffee coffee shop, Starbucks, they will give a cup holder like this. You know what is written on the cup holder? Attention, hot. You know why? Some fellow was served a coffee which was hot and he held it and it got burnt and he sued Starbucks. So everybody, attention, hot. So if you go to a restaurant and if he's, if he's swiping the floor, if you go to Canada, attention, in French, it is wet. Why? You might fall. Otherwise, if that fellow falls, that fellow will sue the manager. Common sense. No? Walk carefully. Sense common is very uncommon. Attention! Attention! Nobody enters the law justly. You have to sue that fellow. And you know, if you've, you've seen that movie Green Card Fielder, uh, Green Card Fever, the best way to get a green card is to sue your lawyer. <laughs> you see, the best way to get, get a green card, sue him. That's exactly, no one enters suit justly. No one goes to the law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief. They give birth to iniquity. Obviously, lies and mischief will only give birth to iniquity. They will not give birth to truth. Everything after its kind, right? There's no evolution over here. Suddenly truth will not become into a lie. Or lie will become into a truth. No, 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 no. Then what, what, what happens? He goes and says, they hatch adder's eggs. They weave a spider's web. They eat their eggs. He who eats their eggs dies. And from one that is crushed, a viper is hatched. What did you expect? What did you expect? A dove? No. A viper. And this is very funny. The next part. Verse 6. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Can you believe it? Go to a spider's web. Hurry, this looks very nice. Let me stitch it into a cloth. Will anybody do it? Think about it, no? And these guys, they actually take it and they cover it and they say, you know what? Like the emperor's clothes. <laughs> hey, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. You're invisible. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with, the, with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. Their way of peace they have not known. There is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Look at this. You don't have to have have a guy like me to interpret this. This is plain stuff. It's a sigma total of all your lies. 
Therefore, justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. What do you expect? How can justice come near you if you have been living a lie? We hope for light and behold darkness. For brightness, but we see gloom. We grope for the wall like a blind man. That's what philosophers are. They're like blind men in a dark room, searching for a black cat, which is not there. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying the Lord and turning back from following our God. Speaking oppression and revolt. Conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. Therefore, what has happened? Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. Truth has stumbled or fallen in the public squares and iniquity or equity or fairness cannot enter why truth is lacking. You see? That's the context of that entire, of that verse where people have lived lies. And you hear lies too. It's okay, brother, if you sin. That's the lie from the beginning. If you sin, you shall surely not die. He saw that there was no man, wondered that there was no one to intercede. We'll talk about that later. Coming to the next point. Our attitude towards sin, our attitude toward God and his truth or his word. And the next one. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You see that? But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is this? What did I underline? Everybody let us read that. Let us read that together. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Share your testimony. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. Baba, nothing good in my past, Baba. Leave me alone. I'm ashamed. You see that? The thing is, are you ashamed? First is attitude towards sin. Attitude towards God and His truth. And the second thing, our attitude toward our past. Do you miss your past? Oh yeah. I am honest. Okay, let me be honest. First thing I will tell, I miss Canada. Jacinth. Montreal. Beautiful place. No pollution. You know, in three and a half years I was there in Montreal, I never felt sick. Not even a cold. Okay. I miss Toronto. I should have gone to Banff. I told you that I never will go to Niagara without you. And now I'm not here. I'm stuck in Hyderabad. I went everywhere else. Except Niagara. Because I said, Justin, I'm going to take you to Niagara. 
Nagar was just two hours away. Oh, how I wished I was there. <laughs> this is this is my thought process, honestly. Most many times I do that. How I wish I was there. Clean, green, nice Montreal. No population. And you have a lot of bases too. I can go to church. I miss my past. Do you? <laughs> oh boy. I'll tell you, this is, this is if you're honest with ourselves, we miss our past. If it were not for God, that's the reason why God be thanked. Imagine, no, if God would not have intervened in my life and created situations so that he could draw me. Dwelling somewhere, in some hole, even if it's a beautiful hole. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. Now the rabble, this is a mixed multitude, this is the ESV translation. The rabble, they're all rabble rousers, okay. That was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. (laughs) The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. The roads and the and the fall and the fall flowers and the fall trees and the beautiful river and the snow castle. Oh, that's exactly my equivalent. No kidding. Now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna. That's my past. You know that these guys couldn't inherit the promised land. They were destroyed because they missed their past. God said, Baba, you will not go to the past, neither will you go to the future. You will die. And I've seen a lot of people who delve in their past. Past relationships. I miss whatever that person is, whoever that person is. I miss my boyfriend, whatever. You don't know. Let me be honest, right? I'm not very old, even though I'm getting grey. I'm still less than 38 years old. I'm still not at the pool at the Bethesda. You see? Oh, how I miss those past relationships, those friends and those biryanis and the kalyani. You see? You love that past. And therefore, God says, continue to dwell there and daydream. You know, the problem is, we need to have a complete attitude shift. Philippians chapter 3, this is the most brilliant man, okay? This is a brilliant man. I was telling my brothers yesterday in the Bible study, if Apostle Paul was not a theologian, he would have given Albert Einstein a run for his money. He's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mind, brilliant. I mean, he's just crazy. And he was so crazy, he was preaching the word to a king, and the king said, stop preaching, much learning has made you mad. 
follow. You're persuading me to become a Christian. And I cannot stand your persuasive words because it's cogent and it's enforced with logic. Try to unpack Romans for yourself. You'll go crazy. And if you read and understand the book of Romans, and if you do not get converted by their brothers and sisters, boy, you are still, you are under the wrath of God. For sure. Brilliant, brilliant mind, brilliant mind. Crazy fellow. I said, how them, how come he thinks like this? Have you heard the word axiom? How many of you have heard axiom in geometry? He uses axiom. How many times? Seven times. Romans. I mean, this guy is brilliant. You should see. If you read Romans chapter 8, you will just be blown away by the logic of Apostle Paul. It's a crazy guy. And this guy, why am I saying all this? Because of this brilliance that is God, he could have been really, really proud. And you know what he talks about that brilliance? In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 8, he says, Now, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as a law, a Pharisee, as a zeal, a persecutor of the church. Boy, what a man. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I could, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung, rubbish. In Telugu, pentato samanam. In order that I may gain Christ. Brilliant. And you should see, if you read Romans, boy, you will just be blown away. It's like, no, logically will take you to the Lord like that. Slowly, 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 he'll take you to the Lord and he'll just place you before the Lord. You'll have no other reason except your rebellious heart to reject God. If time permits, in the future we'll delve on that. I'm wetting your appetite. I'm not kidding. I spent 18 hours In fact, 20 hours last couple of days just reading Romans 8. Verse by verse, line by line. I'm still blown away. I'm just going crazy. Crazy. It's too much for me to say, Lord, this guy is brilliant. Why is he doing in the Bible? That's what we say. What are you doing, brother? So brilliant. You're preaching and you're being a pastor. Miss my past. He says, Baba, you know what? All that is rubbish when compared to God. Even Peter will say, Baba, so many times he thinks, so many things he will write, even I find it very difficult to understand. I'm supposed to be the apostle to the Jews. Think about it. No, think about it. Think, just think about the brilliance of God. This is the sheer sovereign brilliance of God. He's going to take a church persecuting, kosher eating, blaspheming, violent, Rabbi called Apostle Paul. Convert him. He has become a Jew, Jewish Christian now. Where should he go logically? 
go to the Jews. And I, I give the example, no? Think about this Brahmin who gets converted. Hey, I understand the Shastras and the Vedas and the Upanishads. Where should I go? Let me go to the Brahmins. God will say no. Go to the SC. Go to the ST. Go to the BC. You know what he does? He goes to the Gentiles. Gentiles. And he's going to become all things to all people so that he can save a few. That is the grace of God. That is the brilliance of God. And then he's going to take a brushed Brahmin called Peter. Why did I say Peter? Brushed Brahmin? Because of his Sanskritam language. He had very nice language. He's going to take this unlettered fisherman who can curse in whatever language. And then you know what he can do? Uh, you know what? If you want to really learn the bad language, go to the Brahmins. He'll teach you. I'm not kidding. Especially in North India. Sorry guys, if you're hearing this. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to take this unlettered fisherman called James, John and Peter. James and John, the sons of thunder. The sons of thunder. Bajanagaris, whatever it is. Lord, can should be called fire down from heaven. Destroy. You know what he's going to do? He's going to take them to the Jews, to the Sanhedrin, and these fellows will look at him. Unlettered fishermen, only one thing is possible. These fellows were with Jesus. That is the grace of God. You know what it tells me? Whatever you are, whatever your background is, if you are a Greek and a wise man, it does not qualify you for the gospel. If you are a barbarian and an unwise man, it does not disqualify you from the gospel. That's the point. Look at this man. He becomes all things to all people. Do you dwell in your past? Do you miss him? Miss him? Miss him? Look at what Peter says to those people who miss their past. If you keep on delving in the past, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome by those lusts, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness. And this is not me who is saying, and it is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. Then after knowing to turn back from the Holy Commandment delivered to them, what the true proverb says has happened to them, the dog returns to his vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to the wallow in the mire. You delve in the past. God will take you to the past. In the, in the present. You see? So this is the this is the reason why three attitudes are important. What are the three attitudes? Your attitude toward sin, your attitude toward God and His truths, His word. The third thing, your attitude toward your past. Baba, nothing good in your past. Say that. Nothing good in my past. Nothing good in my flesh. Even though people have appreciated it. 
Really? Can you say that? Honestly? <laughs> See, you need to really, really come to terms with this truth that there's nothing good in your past. Even if it is ostensibly good. Otherwise, you will not be able to defeat sin. The whole purpose is to defeat sin. That is the reason why we need this attitude. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Okay. Grace is sufficient for us. He will give us those desires. That is the reason why it's a sovereign work of God. It cannot do it in our own strength. But you need to desire Him. Draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. How will you appreciate the love and the mercy of God unless you understand the severity and the justice of God? Like Pastor said, if there is no truth, you don't need grace. If there is no truth, you don't need grace. And therefore we have to become lovers of truth, brothers and sisters. Not lovers of somebody else's truth and somebody else's condition. Lovers of the truth about our own condition. Amen? Shall we ask the Lord for that kind of an attitude this evening? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Father, you said you will give us a heart of flesh. You will take away that heart of stone. You said, Lord, you will do it. And you said you will circumcise our hearts so that we can love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Father, if there's somebody who's still up in bondage with his past, or somebody who's not able to come out of his past because of the things that he has done, And he's ashamed of it. Father, I pray, Lord, by the blood of Jesus that you would cleanse him even as he or she confesses it. You cleanse him because you said if we confess, you are faithful and just to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus will cleanse us and justify us and give us a clear conscience with God so that we can walk this walk of faith and walk this walk of victory. Not one day, not two days, consistently, constantly, every day of our life, until you come back. Because you said, O Lord Jesus, whom you have predestined, you have called, whom you have called, you have justified, whom you have justified, you will glorify. Oh Father, we want to succumb to your working in our lives, and we don't want to resist your work in our lives, O Lord. Thank you. Grant us grace to that end. Each one of us, Lord, let us stay that narrow path. Father, let us hold on to you. Hold fast to the truth that has been given to us. Let it not slip away from our lives and from our hearts. Let the enemy not steal this word from our hearts. Thank you, Father. Let it bear fruit, even a hundredfold in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.